Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Welcome back, everybody, to another outro for the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. I'm sitting here with Jacob Myers, the Ginger Bow Hunter. How you doing up there, Jacob Myers? Doing well, Andrew. Uh, and uh, listen, I'm going to look excited for this podcast. Got old Andrew Maxwell here in the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. And we're going to be talking about this episode we just did with Hunter Hogan, man. Yeah. You know, you know, early season killer. He's already killed, I think he's killed four, three or four bucks already this year. Yeah. Uh, a couple of mule deer and uh, two whitetails by the time this episode's coming out. Um, and who knows, maybe by the time this comes out, he might have already had a deer down in Illinois and Indiana. We'll not see. Try, not yeah. trying to jinx him. Got, got, got some a week, wood. Of, week of hunting ahead of us. I'm going to go ahead and derail this conversation early. I was having a conversation with Harold the other day, our yeah. editor. Uh-huh. And uh, he thinks we should quit calling these the outro. Because it's not really an outro anymore. It's a whole different episode. So we should change the name. What do you think? I don't know. I, I feel like we're trying to break down these episodes. So it's a little <laughs> bit of an outro. Some of them aren't. Some of them definitely are like more of like an actual episode itself. But. I'd be curious if anybody's got some name suggestions. Some, maybe something to do with Friday. These are Friday episodes. Friday something. I don't know. Anyways, I'm just going to throw that out there. The, um, week, the, the overall week's outlook. Friday episode. Outlook. The, fri- the Friday. Friday outlook. Um, fr- No. Well, keep going. Listen. Friday field notes. I okay. like that. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you got. But anyways, I'd, I'd be interested in suggestions. I'm definitely not opposed to getting rid of the outro name. Uh, anyways, like I said, I was going to derail it early. Um, I was excited to do this conversation because we're getting ready for a Georgia hunt. And by the time we're actually recording this outro immediately following recording that episode, uh, but by the time you hear this outro, the, the Georgia hunt will have come and gone so, uh, you know, we'll know whether or not our plans worked out. So I'll, I want to kind of intertwine some of that, some of the plans that, that we got for this Georgia hunt, which we haven't really talked about yet, uh, just for whatever reason. Uh, recording outros, schedule's been crazy. We, we talked about it a little bit because we had some listeners hit us up about it. Yeah. I mean, we said that we're going to Georgia to hunt, yeah. but haven't really talked about like a game plan. No, no. Well, and... But kind of like with this episode, you know, like as Hunter's had his success uh, that he's had, you know, using his scouting techniques, especially a lot of glassing and stuff early season hunting, you know, I guess you'd call it more Midwestern states, you know, Missouri, you know, Illinois, you know, Kentucky, you know, it's kind of hit or miss depending on who you ask, whether it's in the South or not. (laughs) But uh, they're in the SEC, so I guess that counts. But hey, so is Missouri. Is Missouri in the SEC? I'm going to go with no. I mean, not in the yeah, SEC. It is. No, no, not <laughs> SEC. I meant in the South. You got me thinking football. In the, <laughs> are they in the SEC? Yes. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, what was it? Uh, not the derail the conversation anymore. Texas and Oklahoma uh, are, getting are, are getting the SEC. So I guess that's going to count as the, the Look, South. Okay. Which, deep, I mean, Texas is. Here, here's my thoughts Deep yeah. South is Florida, Alabama. Georgia and Mississippi and Louisiana. South Carolina? And maybe South Carolina. Maybe. No, definitely. All right, yeah, South Carolina. Yeah, you can be in the deep south. You said Louisiana, right? Yes, in yeah. Louisiana. And then all the states that border those are the south, and then everything outside of that is not the south. So Texas would be the south. I'd say parts of Texas are the south. Western Texas is not the south, obviously. No. But, you know. Um, Arkansas, <laughs> that's the south. Uh uh, Tennessee, that's the South. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. North Carolina? Mm, I don't a, I'd still call it the South. Absolutely. It's ah, still very Southern. Man, I don't know. It's still very Southern. If you're going by your your uh, your, your breakdown of Southern states, it's I the guess, South. I guess, yeah, yeah, it would fall in there. But, yeah, okay, then that's about it, right? What am I forgetting? Arkansas, Texas, Tennessee. Kentucky, I'm sorry. You're not. <laughs> for deer hunting, I would say you're not really the South. I don't know. Tennessee's barely. Tennessee's so different too from from like the deep south. 
I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just so biased to the deep the, south. Yeah, it's like well, you're using different terms. You're yeah. talking the deep south, you're talking the south. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But no, so with this with uh Hunter, you know, coming in from like Missouri and have his law experience up there hunting. Uh, in public lane, it has been kind of cool because I've been following him for a couple of years now. Like his success early season, like really early, like in like September in Missouri and the success he's had there, but also in some of these other states as well, uh, hunting public lane. It was kind of cool to get his perspective, especially like the pattern aspect. Like once you figure out like that one or two bucks patterns, you can figure out like what are they betting in, where are they coming out of, uh, that kind of habitat, and then try to replicate that on other parts of that piece of public land and having success with it, which is kind of interesting because, again, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with another episode that we get coming out later this month that talks more on the postseason, or not postseason, late season. Yeah. I kept saying, I think I might have said postseason in the actual episode, but late season uh, strategies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it is super interesting, you know, how, you know, some of these guys like Hunter have that kind of success based off – you know, the scouting methods, uh, and also hunting, you know, aggressive in some eye in some eyes, it might look aggressive, like hunting that hard early season, but also maybe kind of a little more, um, reserved because he's not going to go in and hunt unless it's, you know, hundred percent foolproof. As he says, you know, I want, this can be a 90% chance or higher odds of me killing that deer when I go in early season. Yeah. And, and pressure makes such a big difference for him, especially if he's, if you're hunting like Illinois, um, Indiana, Missouri, places like that in November, like the pressure is exponentially higher because that's where people like us go, you know, in November when we're going to go travel, that's, that's where everybody goes. And so dealing with that pressure, like his strategy is so much built around avoiding that, which I can definitely understand, especially after a couple hunts these last two seasons, man, (laughs) that have been really, really bad on the, on the pressure front of things. It just makes things that much more difficult, even when you're hunting at a very good time of year, you know, if the pressure's just too high, then it's really going to shoot you in the foot. Um, and it's just for us as people, like when we're trying to find interviews, it's hard for us to find people who have success this time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, cause just, especially in the South, a lot of guys just kind of wait for the rut, which there's definitely nothing wrong with. Uh, but man, it, this can be a tough time of year to hunt. And he seems like he's got it figured out. I mean, just as far as what he's looking for and finding the pattern, and then replicating the pattern, having multiple targets so he can jump from buck to buck and find whichever one he's got the highest chance of killing in the time he has. Um, I'm trying to think of the actual guests who we had on. I I can't pull them off the top of my head, but we talk to people all the time who have that same kind of strategy where they're going to locate multiple bucks that they're going to have uh, access to throughout the fall. Paul is like that. Shane is like that too. You know, they're they're doing all these uh, trail camera studies and and big surveys where they're trying to find as many bucks as they can in a bunch of different areas so they have uh, you know optimum opportunity no matter what when the season gets here yep Lance Smathers another one that tries to kill them early too Um, you know there's quite a few guys we've had on but like you said and it's not even in the southeast I think it's like this around a lot of part of the country Mm -hmm. just not as many people hunt hard and try to get after the opener in like that first month or so season compared to like whenever the rut is in that part of the state, you know, for us, it's a little bit later in the year, of course, like December, January timeframe of when it's the rut. And that's when you have like most of the guys I talked to, like one of my parents' neighbors, uh, his name's Carl, an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. He, he deer hunts, but he's like, yeah, deer season doesn't open until that third week of uh, November. Like, he, yeah. like archery is not even on his mind yeah because he just hunts with a rifle mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people like that especially like we're around in the state where you are in the country where you have a longer rifle season like i know alabama and mississippi are very similar to that yeah um 
that you know some people's seasons do not start until it's rifle opener um so you know you can get out there earlier in the year and yeah there's there's definitely a lot of bow hunters in a lot of these other states too but uh there's still not as much pressure as you're going to find come november uh i know bobby worthington's talked a lot about that too because he's a you know big rut hunter and going to illinois and there'd be a lot of pressure even like when he was hunting there in the late 90s and, and early 2000s um so you know it's all relative to like where you're at and also what kind of property you coast if you're hunting ag like high pressure on ag properties can be a lot crazier potentially because potentially maybe limited opportunities for like parking There's areas and less stuff. Less woods. Less, that's what I'm saying. Less woods and less, like, yeah, maybe the acreage is big, but the actual like quote unquote huntable timber, if you're going to like be in a tree stand, it's mm-hmm. so much smaller. So you're concentrating all these people in this tight little area versus if it's 20,000 acres of all timber or majority timber. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it, that, you know, pressure is all very generalized based off kind of, you know, where you're at and what you're dealing with. Um, but yeah, it just, it made sense, you know, kind of his hunting style. And also it's just interesting how he's figured out that pattern, which we talked about a little bit, but I want to leave some stuff for other episodes and probably have listeners pissed, not <laughs> get us getting into that specific pattern that he was talking about that, uh, him and Jace found really Jace found in, uh, Kentucky that helped them kill, you know, two really big deer. Jace killed an absolute giant. And, um, but like how they've been able to figure out, like, especially like a more ag country, like if you figure out a certain pattern, like where are these bucks coming out of, like the habitat they're coming out of, where it's like CRP, thick cedars, you know, whatever that kind of cover is like going into that food source, finding that cover type and that habitat and other areas of that public land going scouting there and finding other big bucks, mature bucks doing the same thing. Again, it's interesting because that's mm-hmm. one thing we don't necessarily have like we're in the country that we're in and part of the country where we're at in Alabama. We don't have the luxury so much of like doing a ton of glassing. Mm, uh, I mean, there is some all. public that has ag that you could do that. And there's, of course, places in the southeast that, you know, public land has ag and you could potentially do that kind of, you know, technique. And well, str- I know guys stuff. who do that in cutovers in the summertime here, like a first year cutover where you you have it just starting to grow up and it's still like a lot of bare ground out there but you still have a lot of young, tender growth. I know guys who, with a lot of success... Why have we interviewed them? Well, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. I'm like, I've never <laughs> heard of this, so you're leaving some stuff out. Yeah, huh? you know them. They hunt the same place as us. And we haven't interviewed them? I don't know. And they have success? Yeah. Oh, well, what are you doing, bro? You know who I'm talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Well, anyways, I'll... Uh, I'll I'll tell you afterwards. Uh-huh. <laughs> but okay. maybe we should interview him. But yeah, I know guys who who do that in cutovers. I mean, there are opportunities. You just got to kind of think outside the box. Because I think it was maybe last summer that that he really started doing that. And he texted me. He's like, "Check out this bachelor group I saw today." I'm like, "Where are you like scouting at?" And he told me where he was at. And I was like, "Oh, holy crap! That's a good idea. It's not a bad idea at all. Get out there and watch a cutover, man." We've talked about that a little bit in the past, but I don't think we've ever done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. Again, just like putting that pattern together, you know, figuring out like what can work, but also, you know, like Hunter hunts a bunch of different states. He's not just hunting his home state of Missouri. Like he hunts a bunch of different states every year. And it's interesting, like what it takes to kind of put that together. Like, yeah, you know, it it seems like a commonality between a lot of his stuff. Like there's agriculture in the vicinity, but that's something that he clearly has success with. Hunting wise, and we we didn't even talk about like him and his like competitive archery, uh, you know, part of his life and stuff. But you know, he talked about you know having a lot of confidence, you know, spotting, stalking, and also being able to shoot further with his archery equipment than most guys would be ever thinking about willing to do. Yep. Um, and he's proven it, killing a lot of big bucks doing that, like with a tremendous amount of success, which is you know really really fascinating. Um, but yeah, dude, it, it's cool when you find guys also like his age, like he's in his mid twenties, like us, that's like putting it together and having success, tremendous success, killing a lot of big deer, 
doing what he's doing. Oh yeah. Um, which is super cool. Cause again, most of the guys that we talked to, you know, have 10 to 15, maybe 20 years more of experience than us, uh, that we're interviewing on the show. So it's cool when you find somebody that's kind of younger, kind of really putting together, doing it on their own and kind of, you know, making stuff happen. Uh, but what kind of takeaways did you get, Andrew, specifically about, you know, the episode, the interview? Cause there was a couple of times you were like, you know, you were kind of like, Oh, let me talk next. Hold on. Like, let, you know, dive deep on, on a few things, especially it seems like maybe the, some of the mapping stuff you talked about. Yeah. Well, one of the things was his, uh, his like aversion to being so like too invasive. Um, I, I feel like I probably needed to hear that before this Georgia hunt. Uh, Cause like, I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty default, like just going to go in and like jump into something. And, uh, especially on a longer hunt, like what we have coming up, maybe playing it a little bit, a little bit more safe and not being so aggressive on like day one and two, uh, where where he's he's really taken to heart the mindset of very similar to the guy who we're going to release the podcast with later this month. Uh, I'm not going to hunt unless I'm going to kill something, and I'm just going to scout uh, until I find a high odd spot where I feel like I can get in there and kill the deer. But not only that, if he does find that high odd spot, he's not going to get hung up on it and just pound his head against a wall if it's not working out. He's going to he's gonna back up and reassess and try to go back in maybe at a different angle and, and scout his way back in, which I that was just like a little tidbit that I found interesting is like he didn't say he was going to move on to a different bug. He said that he's going to back up and scout his way back in from a different angle. So, you know, if the deer is still in there, you know, try to get back up a little bit, try to get a different view, and then move back in however you see fit to get on that deer. Um, and I just think that's, that's really good advice. Um, cause you know, I might, I might tend to go in and just kind of crash into a spot and do a really aggressive hunt and maybe throw one or two sits at it. And if it doesn't work out, I'm on to the next area. But in these places that we're going to hunt this week, I've got history with them. I scouted one of them already this year in the summer and confirmed that they're still in there and it's still good. Uh, so it's like, I know that they're there. So how can I maximize my six days or whatever I have to hunt to actually make something happen? Like, do I really need to go sit in the middle of that area day one? You know, I don't know. Kind of weighing it out in my head, but that's, that's the main part that just like really stuck with me from that episode. But what about you? I mean, one of my takeaways was just like him and how he uses his maps, you know, he uses a bunch of different mapping platforms, trying to get, you know, def, different aerial imagery, um, to try to figure out, you know, once he finds one deer and figure out what one buck's doing, how to replicate that, which we talk about a lot on the podcast, like replicating, you know, terrain features and habitat features and stuff like that. But he's replicating what this one buck's doing across a whole piece of public land or multiple pieces of public land and then going and spot checking all of those, potentially more so glassing them. And finding bucks doing the same thing in the similar type of habitat and terrain um, across the landscape, and figuring out that pattern, and then keying in on that pattern to go in there and actually execute, you know, you know, opportunity to kill one of those deer. I thought that was really interesting. And again, how you know, it's not just finding one or two bucks keeps him kind of happy. Like he talked about, even after I think we might no, we weren't done recording, but close to the end of the recording, you know, he found an absolute giant up there that they had been scouting up in Illinois, and. uh you know, got them excited, but they're still looking for more deer. Mm-hmm. Like it's like one or two is never good enough. Like Ain't you gotta, cutting it. Yeah, you got to have multiple, you know, deer to figure out, uh, especially like in his style of hunting, where again it's more open. Like yeah, there are thicker areas, but there's a huge advantage to like that kind of habitat where you're hunting 
more open areas where you can glass, you can really use, you know, binos and spotting scopes to your advantage to kind of figure out what deer are doing from a distance and then key in on that, you know, through that visual observation of how you need to go about setting up, how you need to go about scouting it, how you need to go enter and exiting, you know, that area. Cause you're able to see not only where the bucks coming up, but also where the does are at too. Uh, and kind of figuring out, you know, how you may need to get to a spot. So, you know, that is super interesting. That's something like, you know, I can't really relate with a whole bunch just because I haven't hunted a ton of places with a ton of ag. I've done a, a little bit, but nothing on the, the level like what he's doing. And it's interesting seeing guys like that that has that success, puts the pieces together, goes in, executes, and kills big deer. Yeah, definitely. Well, so kind of applying it into going forward into Georgia for this this hunt we're about to go on, uh, does it does it give you an ideas for Georgia? Any thoughts on Georgia coming up? Well, I mean, where we're hunting, there's no act, so I'll put that there. So I'm not too like the whole glassing thing is not going to be relevant, no. you know, other than like binos and you're like in some timber. Um, my thing is, which is this is kind of my was my game plan anyways, going to this spot is going in every day, bow in hand. Actually, I might not. We might not do the whole bow and hand thing. I don't know. I'm go going in with the scouting aspect of like trying to find that spot and not setting up just because this is the best thing you found so far. Yeah. Um, because that's bit me a butt a bunch, especially early season. We're like, oh, this is the best thing I found so far, and stopping. And you're like, come to find out, you realize after not seeing anything, like the next day, if you would have went another eighty yards, that was the spot. Yeah. Okay, that's the great uh, – that's like the, the great struggle with all this, though, is is knowing when to stop. And I can see the argument being made, like, should you walk in there with your bow and just hunt, or should you not take your bow so you're not so eager to, like, set up somewhere and hunt? Uh, so, I don't know, man. I'd be nervous walking in without my bow because <laughs> you might have one walk by and you're not ready. Of course, that, like, never happens, but – it would the first it time would. do it. <laughs> it's like Mr. Benny squirrel hunting, big old buck come by. Oh know, yeah, hundred percent. Early October, definitely. But going in and and not uh, getting so hung up on actually trying to make a hunt unless you actually think you can kill something there, right? Yeah, and and maybe even going in with like not even taking like a saddle or stand and just taking the bow and your pack just for a walk, but going in like, hey, like okay, if I find something that's worse, like a, like I've got to hunt now, we'll set it on the ground. But yeah. I, even that's not a good idea, I'll be 100% honest. I'll throw the saddle in the backpack and, mm-hmm. you know, sticks and everything. Um, but my mindset for that hunt specifically, because I've, you know, hunted it a little bit in the past, kind of have an idea of, like, lay the land of, like, the terrain features and stuff, is scouting a ton. Like, the first couple of days there, like, if you have an opportunity to sit, do it. Like, if you find that sign, especially some good feed sign close that, you know, that bedding cover. Yep. But really, like, what I'm looking for specifically on that hunt is whip rubs, and rub lines, and yeah. I'm, I'm talking like yeah. more, like fresh rubs. That's telling you like, hey, there is a like a batch of groups here, or multiple bucks are in this general area working this train feature yeah. and keying in on that in relation to food sources. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls, but they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call, and you just need to go look it up. It's very, it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP20 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast.
True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance, absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K-chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. Well, I'll tell you one thing that, that, you know, could be a blessing and a curse, but I think it's actually like a real blessing for this hunt is we have this hurricane rolling in and this hurricane is going to just smack Florida and Georgia, which everyone in Florida, you're in our prayers. Hope everyone does good. Um, hopefully everyone gets prepared for it after this podcast is out. All it'll all be said and done, but, uh, that hurricane's going to come up through Georgia while we're on that hunt. And, man, we've had some good luck on, on big storm fronts, you specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, that was on the velvet hunt. Obviously, that's different. But one of the biggest things that it's going to do is it's going to drop half an inch of rain the first couple of days that we're there. Which isn't that much, but. Well, half an inch of rain, I mean, it's enough to wash away a lot of sign is what I'm getting oh, at. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I see where you're going out with this. Okay. So okay. we're gonna we're gonna sh- we're gonna roll up, and it is that the land will be a blank slate for sign. Okay, like your rubs will still be there, but if a buck rubs up a tree on Friday, and all the little shavings are on the ground, and then you get a half inch of rain, like they're gonna get beat down on the ground, they're gonna get washed away, and so we're gonna have the tracks on the roads, tracks in the creek beds. We're gonna have a a very good idea of very fresh. Everything we see is going to be fresh, you know, and mm. something we can immediately act on, which I'm excited about because there's there's one of the spots I'm most interested in is a field. And me and you hunted this spot a little bit, but this field has just always gotten hammered with deer. Like they're, they're in it every night from the couple years I used to hunt this place. And there's one part of the field, kind of the back part of the field, it's the low corner of the field, like your classic, you know, low spot in the back of the field that the buck's like. And when you walk down there, every time I've ever walked down there, it's just beat up with deer tracks over the years. And if you walk out of that corner, it kind of goes right down a valley. And if you go down that valley, you'll find in years past, I found whip rubs, I found small scrapes, I found heavy doe trails, I found faint possible buck trails and on both sides of that valley are pretty mature pines that have been thinned with thick understories and just bumbling through those over the years walking through those pines I've jumped a whole bunch of deer out of them before that were bedded in like the middle of the day and so going into that spot 
hit the back of that field after this rain and just see, hey, were they in here last night? And if yes, then do a big old giant loop around and Jay hook up in there and get get between them. And I've already been looking at that spot, kind of expecting to do that. And the wind, it's going to be like a straight up Travis Murray killing wind, straight up like crosswind, uh, based on where the deer are coming from and where you're going to have to sit. And so you're going to have to actually come up and possibly walk past the deer with a crosswind and get set up. But that's one of the main things that, that I'm looking forward to on this hunt. I think that's going to end up being a good spot for me. I don't know about y'all, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to go in that spot and check it out. I'm really excited about that, but also just excited about clean slate. I think tracks are going to play a big factor on this hunt too. Yeah, so one thing that I'm, I'm definitely going to use on this hunt is what we've learned from Shane Parker's trail cam study and a lot of these bucks using, like, bedding around some of these drainages and also using these drainages for travel yeah. specifically and I'm not necessarily so worried about trying to get up on any of these little ridges per se, like actually up on them. Like if there's some feet, like oaks up there, yeah. But where's your drainage from higher elevation that drops onto that flat? Yeah. And keying in on that specifically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you're going to find a, like you're going to find rubs on top of these little ridges and these ridge points. But I think we're going to find some sign coming out of these little drainages. I'm like, as Shane calls it, like micro drainages, like stuff like yep. you almost can't even see like on normal like topography maps. But stuff that when you get their boots on the ground, like it's this little indention that's five, six, eight feet deep um, that's coming off like another larger ridge above you, dropping off to one of these flats and kind of keying in and stuff like that. And like you mentioned, like jumping deer that were down bedded in those valleys midday bedded, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Like I think a lot of people like going to this hunt is going to think like they're going to be up high and they may be specifically on certain in certain occasions but i think there's gonna be a lot more deer in these thick drainages and draws that like it's gonna it's gonna change things up a little bit because i think you know some of the guys we're gonna be hunting with are gonna be used to like finding stuff up on higher elevations kind of typical stuff like you may find it even in the midwest you know bedding up these ridge points dropping down in the evenings and stuff like that in this area i think there's gonna be a lot more deer bedding kind of lower mm-hmm. um and even maybe coming up to feet on some of those oaks or you know walking down some of these drainages that have oaks down the bottom yeah um, definitely but again feed trees is going to play a huge part in this hunt yeah another thing i'm kind of wondering about is is the feed tree aspect because i could see right now where there's probably some like hot feed trees out there where things are kind of starting to drop but it's not like they're just raining right now it's not like the white oaks are just like raining right now but this hurricane's going to roll through day one of the hunt, morning one of the hunt, and probably put a ton of acorns on the ground just all over the place. So how's that going to change things? That's one thing that I'm kind of thinking through right now is, uh, I mean, they're probably getting ready to drop a lot of them, and this is probably going to help them along. All I'm saying is I want to know whereabouts is going to be hunting on this hunt because I just got done with Montana walking 63 miles in a week, <laughs> and I'm going to keep that up when we get there. <laughs> like, I am just uh, – that's my mindset is just walking, like, I don't need a camera guy on this hunt. Like, y'all stay away. Yeah. Let me cover, like, a lot of ground away from wherever I else wants to hunt, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to just cover some serious ground. That, that's, that is my goal for the first day or two is, like, if I find something that's, like, 100% like going to kill a deer – I'll climb, but like if that's not the case, it's kind of like your whole mindset. Like, dude, you know, you got to give yourself three to four reasons on like why this is a good spot to hunt, taking the wind out of the equation. And uh, yeah. unless you find something like that, that is just, I mean, absolute dynamite, which that what that dynamite spot would look like, I'll tell you, 
would be like a lone white oak mm. on the side of a little ridge towards the bottom with a couple drainages dropping off, and there's fresh rub lines coming down onto that fresh tree, and there's a scrape yeah. right next to it, and it's thick above it. Like, it's all thick above it, and it'd be an afternoon hunt. Yeah, um, definitely. That's like the spot. Like, if I find something like that, I'm like, okay, we're, 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 we're you know, setting up. And that's another thing. Like, I'm not going to be, like, day one, I'm not getting in the woods before daylight. I'm, I'm waiting until probably 45 minutes after daylight, maybe even an hour going in, because I don't want to necessarily bump deer walking in as they're going back to bed, but I want to catch and cut all that fresh sign and try to see what I can find after they've gone back to bed. And, and that's when I want to be the most invasive. Because if I jump one, I want to jump him in his bed. I don't want to jump him feeding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's such a good point. Uh, I was thinking the same thing, too. Uh, but I'll I'll probably take that hour or so, that first hour of daylight, and just cruise the roads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And catch something crossing the road or, you know, find those tracks, you know, as soon as they're made, basically. Uh, and see, some people might wonder, like, why – would you not want to like what's the difference between jumping them while they're feeding going back to bed versus in their bed and my take is if they're going back to bed and you just jump them like in a random creep bomb he's just walking around mm-hmm. that tells me he's in the general area but it doesn't tell me where he's going to be going to and it doesn't mean i can kill him in that spot if i jump him from his bed and i can find him I actually kick him up out of the bed and see him come out of the bed and go look at the bed yep. i'm like maybe he does come back there that day maybe he does circle around and he's back there in a couple of hours mm-hmm. but it tells me he's definitely spending time here and how can i find go ball paul putera on him Where's his exit trails and where's he going to go to next when it comes like him, you know, leaving that bed to go feed or going back to it in the morning and how yeah. I kill him in that general area? Well, you know, we have all these these GPS studies that we did last year on Patreon where we, we got GPS data, threw it on a map, and then kind of broke it down and gave our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. That's still available on Patreon if people want to go look at that. But one thing that we noticed with these deer is that, you, like a buck, first of all, Going back to your earlier point about the drainages, they were all bedding in drainages. They never bedded on a ridge point. I mean, maybe a couple times, but very seldom. Yeah, blow, they're bedding below saddles. They're, bl- they're bed, like, bedding below saddles and draws. And draws. Yeah, thick draws especially. Uh, and where these deer would, would bed at, they would have like five or six beds, but they wouldn't be that far away from each other. They, they would all be, you know, within a couple hundred yards of each other. I mean, it, there can be some, like, variability there, but they were all kind of similar. So it's like, well, if you jump one out of his bed, take what we were just talking about on Monday's episode. What's the pattern there? Like, what's his bed like? Pull up the map. What are some other areas within a three or 400-yard circle that uh, that meet that criteria that maybe he might go to that one? Maybe it makes sense with, like, a certain wind or, or the way that he ran. You know, who knows? Uh, like, there's a lot of possibilities there. Also, sometimes I'm going into this hunt with the mindset, like, I'm not worried about getting high, climbing high mm-hmm. in, in this area. Like, yeah, going again, Paul Pitera, <laughs> like, wherever that covers it, like, definitely, like, early season trying to figure out where I can get a stand or saddle, depending what I decide to use when we're up there, um, and hunt 8, 9, 10, 12 feet up, just, like, with but have really good back cover. Um, yeah especially it's, it's hard to do in pines that's why i kind of like well hunt, I, I don't know we'll, we'll see like what every, where the sign lays out but like, when you're hunting pines it's hard to do that unless you have like some really big shrubs um around mm-hmm. you and then you gotta hunt probably even lower in that situation yeah um but that's kind of my goal on that hunt specifically is like do early season there should be st- still a ton of greenery and trying to get yourself tucked into a really good spot where you know if that deer is coming in you have a really good opportunity to be able to execute a, a good shot on them and also, if you get really high, you have 
especially this early in the season, there's a ton of leaf. Like there's that mid story. Like yep. if you get 15 feet up a tree, a lot of times, especially if it's in hardwoods, you're gonna have all this like mid story, like big saplings and stuff that's kind of leaves and branches all in your face. Yeah. Versus when you're hunting at you know nine, ten feet or so, um, you're just below some of that stuff where you can kind yeah. of shoot it. Um, get so. tucked into it. I I thought about that same thing actually because the spot. The, the drainage leading up to the field I was just talking about, one thing about that spot and hunting a crosswind specifically is where these pines are at, The like there's a lot of different places the deer can be. I mean, when I walked through them a couple of years ago, and thank God I took really good pins and notes on Onyx like in 2019 and 2020 when I was in there. And so I know exactly what I found because I would drop a pin and then write notes on the pen of like what it was and the date and everything. And, uh, I was finding beds just out in the middle of those pines up against fallen trees in the pines. And it's all like chest high kind of thick stuff. Um, so basically my point being they could come from anywhere in those pines and the, the particular day, I think it'd be good to hunt that it's going to be like a 10 to 15 mile per hour wind. So if I get 30 feet up a tree on a crosswind where they could be coming from, you know, directly parallel to me, or they could be coming from behind me in this thicket a hundred yards. The higher I get up that tree, the more that scent cone is going to spread out through that valley and uh, lower my chances of, or, or it's going to make it easier for them to bust me. Um, because the higher you get up the tree, the more your scent's like dispersing. Mm-hmm. So if I could find a good ground setup, I think that would be the best thing just from a scent perspective. Uh, but that's going to be really hard because a lot of those trails that I've already found that I know are there are kind of up on the side of the hill. So I'd have to be like down in the bottom and shoot up at them, which is probably just not going to work. I'm probably not going to be able to do that. But if I could stay in the bottom and find like a good beech tree or something, that's not like too limmy where I can't hunt out of it, but climb up in that beech tree and get like amongst all those limbs, that might be the setup. Because then I'm like in like a, a really thick tree that'll give me plenty of cover and also kind of break up that wind a little bit. Um, so it's not like a deadline wind right on me. So the scent is going to play a, a big factor on that crosswind. I'm, that's the only thing that I'm like nervous about with that spot, but I don't know. I'm going to throw a sit at it and see. Yeah. No, I'm excited. You know, there's, there's plenty of good quality deer there. There's pretty high deer numbers. Question runs by my head. Are you going to smoke a doe? Oh yeah. So I was talking to, Josh earlier this week, Josh Hilliard from First Light, he's going to be down here hunting with us. And uh, he was, I think he asked about morning hunts. And I was like, yeah, we usually hunt mornings early season. Uh, and I think I've decided that on this hunt, like that first day or two, I've, I'm probably definitely going to like wait until after daylight to go in. And then I'm going to go and like really scout hard. Uh, and my afternoon sits are going to be like, I'm going to a specific spot because I think I can kill a buck there. Mm-hmm. But later in the week, Throwing some morning sits. You know, I don't want to sit out so every you're, you're single morning. So you're telling me day one, you get set up, and an hour and a half after you get set up, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and a freaking three nannies come walking in, feeding under that feed tree you're setting I, I'm not going to promise you anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to promise anything, but I'm going to try to reserve my afternoons for my bucks. Okay. And if I go in, like, you know, whatever morning, Tuesday morning, and I have a doe come by right at daylight. She, <laughs> I hope she's, I hope she's right with the Lord, <laughs> because yeah, it's going down. 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the kind of fella that passes does in early season, man. You're not so. the type of guy to pass does at any point of the season if it's open. Listen, let's be. <sighs> dude, that's very true. Sharp. Hey, listen, I'm right there with you. You know, it's always fun. Um, yeah, I gotta. I gotta restock the freezer, man. Yeah, we gotta. We, we gotta get some of the TikTok Weaver meats, man. Yes, we do. Yes, so, we do. We gotta, we gotta get some more uh, Salisbury steak and everything. Yeah, man. I've been pounding some deer steaks lately. I've been eating deer steaks like four nights a week. <laughs> now the. Um, no, I'm I'm super excited about a hunt like this though, because again, it's early season. You know, feed trees are going to be a factor, but also like you have the opportunity to still get in a basher group, mm-hmm. like and, and find that kind of sign. Which like I found that in Missouri before, I found it in Tennessee. Like the amount of sign, even if it's just two bucks hanging out to, with each other, yeah, they're going to be rubbing trees, and you're going to find especially like looking branches and stuff, and you're going to find you're going to find those rubs. Yeah, uh, I mean, more than likely, sometimes they won't leave all that sign, but especially if it's around some kind of destination food source, whether it's, you know, a couple of white oaks, whether it's a, a, a field, whether whatever it is, you're going to find rubs and potentially scrapes right now around there and kind of key on that to kind of backtrack these deer. It's going to be really kind of interesting. Yeah. The only thing is I'm, I'm very curious. Like I love hunting mornings like any time of the year, but I'm very curious what, especially focusing on thermals on, on this place like what morning hunts are going to look like as in like that movement and activity uh, and kind of corresponding that with, you know, other outlying conditions, whether, you know, rain, this little cool front pushing through mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of keying on that and also kind of keying in on, you know, areas where there's logging, potentially them feeding out in some of those areas like into the evening yeah. and kind of keying on some of that movement going back to bed specifically in those general areas. Yeah, that's another thing too. At the front end of the week, it's going to be pretty high winds and then tailing off towards the back end of the week, it's going to get pretty calm and it's going to start warming back up. Oh, thermals, baby. So thermals are going to be the name of the game. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be pretty tough those first couple of days with the high winds though on morning hunt. Because, like, on a, a lot of these morning hunts, just because of the lay of the land, you're, like, you're going to be down in a bottom a lot of times or in, in some kind of draw. And so the, the higher that wind speed, the more it's just going to swirl in there and kick around. So that's that's one thing. That's another reason that I'm going to take those first couple mornings and just try to use those high winds to my advantage and, like, I don't know, go into where I scouted already this summer. And that that's, like, the ideal day to go in there. It's because it's going to be it's gonna be loud and windy and wet so i can i can slip right in there on them um and just get right up in that spot only problem is the wind's not that great for it so we'll see about that mm. we'll see about it you'll blow at your your best spot day one oh, maybe <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be worth scouting going in there i mean if it's that good they're I'll not probably gonna... go pull the camera and at least check it you know look around in there what you got like a mondo so freaking we'll see hand, right what no you can have a big old spike on there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not super thrilled with where the camera's at, so I don't know if there's going to be anything on it. But I, just, I was all, all the way down there, so I was like, I'm just going to try to make something happen with this camera. Mm. So we'll see. Did a big old mock scrape. I don't know. Good so, to turn up. Who, who knows? knows? Um, but yeah, other than that, dude, I'm just I'm excited though about that early season hunt. Also, by the way, we've already had some listener success stories coming. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Had, uh, uh, Good, because I called it I think last week's episode. Two or three guys have already been... I think two two or three have already come in. I'm trying to think what states they're in. One, I know one was Kentucky. One of them killed a freaking big deer, like a really <laughs> big deer. Uh, that was on Instagram. Uh, but, yeah, so, guys, if, if, you, if you're a new listener, you might not know of this unless you went and listened to some of our older episodes the last couple of years. But we do uh, what we call like a listener success story where if you go out and implement, you know, strategies, tips, 
and, and all that kind of stuff from a guest on the podcast or even something that maybe has been discussed on the podcast in general and go out there and implement it, use it, have success, uh, and you kill a deer with it, shoot us a message uh, on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us and send us a photo too. Uh, and we're going to be doing some drawings this year, monthly drawings for um, some Onyx gift cards or Onyx memberships um, for some of those winners. So, uh, you know, let us know, you know, if you have success using anything, um, you know, let us know. And it'd be super killer because we like reading some of those stories. And that's kind of one way we kind of judge ourselves on what content's being, you know, as helpful or the most helpful of all of the episodes is based off, you know, where these listener success stories come in from, you know, what episodes were, you know, impactful for you. So, uh, it was already, I heard a couple come in, which are freaking super killer. I know over the next probably couple of weeks, we're going to have a lot more come in as more and more of these states open up. But, uh, other than that, dude, I'm, I've got, that's pretty much all I've got for this week. Excited for Georgia, man. Yeah. Georgia's going to be fun. Georgia's on my mind, bro. And Hey, buying our licenses here at the, like, you know, later part of September, they'll still be good next year if we want to squeak in a bear hunt. Squeak in a bear hunt? Just early season archery hunt? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't they have an early, like, rifle bear season, too? I'm mm, pretty I sure. don't think so. Are you sure? They just have an early rifle season in general, like, compared to what we're used to. Yeah. Thoroughly. Like, yeah. I remember one time I drew a quota hunt, and I was rifle hunting the weekend of Alabama's opening bow season in Georgia, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Except everybody else was out there too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everybody <laughs> else was out there. <laughs> everybody. Hey, that's another cool thing about this place, though. Um, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard us talk about it. This is where, like, half the population of Atlanta was down there at the same time I was trying to hunt it. And uh, but the place isn't very big. So if you're gonna use your legs and like really cover some ground, you can cover a pretty significant chunk of this place with with their with the cutovers and everything out there. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially some of the newer ones that I saw, there when I was out there like three weeks ago or four weeks ago, they were still cutting. Like there was logging trucks coming in and out. And those roads were a little bit bad. Oh, really? Yeah. So after this rain, it's they're gonna be nasty for sure. Wish I had an e-bike, man. No, I wouldn't ride an e-bike on these roads. Really? I mean, if you wanted to literally be covered in like red clay mud, I would ride an e-bike. But you will get, yeah, you'll get soaked. It'd be pretty bad. Mm, Definitely wouldn't ride an e-bike on these roads after a rain. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I guess hopefully on the next, depending on the order that we record stuff, either the next outro or the one after that, you're going to get to hear what happened in Georgia. Mm. Oh. And probably see it follows on social media. Something happens. I'm sure we'll put it on social media too. Definitely. So definitely. Awesome. Well appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. I appreciate everybody's support. Appreciate everybody leaving us new reviews on the podcast. I actually had a couple come in, Andrew. I don't know if you want to read one one broke down the the song Southern Child. Uh, oh yeah. And, and it was is <laughs> super interesting, but uh, appreciate everybody leaving us reviews again. If you enjoyed the podcast, enjoy the show, you know, share it with some friends, share it with some buddies, share it with your mama. Whoever may benefit from the podcast, go share them, go share an episode with them, and uh, and also you know if you truly enjoy the podcast and the seventy six percent of you all that listen on Apple uh, or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, go leave us a five star written review. Let us know what you like about the show. Let us know if there's any spe- uh, specific people you'd like for us to interview in the future, and uh, we'll kind of look at that and and kind of you know take notes because there's been a couple guys that's been recommended very recently. We're gonna have on the podcast coming up soon. Uh, that I know you guys are going to enjoy. So appreciate the support, appreciate the feedback, and uh, we'll catch you back here on next week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast.
Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you're like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com. 